Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. NFL Live. The rich get richer a week before the league's trade deadline. New England trades for Mohamed Sanu after absolutely manhandling the New York Jets Monday night. We are live in Minnesota as Kirk Cousins prepares to face his former team, but will he have one of his top weapons on a short week Thursday night? And Ryan Clark sits down with Jalen Ramsey. He'll talk about the trade that sent him across the country and exactly what went wrong in Jacksonville. Happy Tuesday, everybody. I'm Wendy Nix here. With Diana Rossini, Ryan Clark, and Coach Jack Del Rio, we will start with the trade. We've got one week to go until the NFL's trade deadline. Officially, that is 4 o'clock next Tuesday. But New England beat the buzzer. They have acquired veteran wide receiver Mohamed Sanu from the Atlanta Falcons in exchange for a second-round pick. This according to our Adam Schefter. With Edelman, Gordon... And third-string target Philip Dorsett all on the injury report in recent weeks. Sanu does provide some insurance, some veteran insurance, really, at a position where the Patriots are still adjusting following the release of Antonio Brown in September. So here's the good news. It, it really is a good thing the Patriots got some help. They were struggling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so it's tough. It's struggling. tough. It's tough. Being it's, a Patriot. It is tough treading, <laughs> tough sledding, I should say, in New England. But what will Mohamed Sanu bring? He brings toughness, dependability. Uh, this is a good football player. He can mm-hmm. run it, catch it, throw it. He can do it all. He does mm-hmm. a little bit of everything. He's kind of a, uh, a Swiss army knife, and those type of people that are, that are dependable yep. fit in. Real professional, eight-year veteran. I think just exactly the kind of player that will fit into the culture there in New England. And not a huge surprise. I mean, only in the sense that we had heard New England was kicking the tires on a number of players trying to get some additional help. Uh, as they look toward the second half of the season, right? Well, this has been something the Patriots have been trying to do all offseason. And even you look at the beginning of the season with acquiring Antonio Brown, they understood that they had some holes in the wide receiving core. And this is a huge piece for them. This is a guy who is extremely versatile, a guy who became the third wide receiver in Atlanta because of Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. And he knows and understands how to play the position on the inside. And when you're Tom Brady and you lose a guy like Rob Gronkowski, now you have have another safety valve, someone who's reliable, who's big, huge catch radius, and this truly helps out this offense in a major way. The Patriots have been scary good through seven games. New England has a plus 175 point differential. Only the 1920 Buffalo All-Americans were better. The defense has allowed <laughs> just 48 points. That's the second fewest points allowed through seven games in the Super Bowl era. And the Patriots have picked off 18 passes. That's twice as many as any other team. Devin McCourty alone, as I mentioned, has five interceptions, more than 14 other teams so far. Listen, I'm not sure if you could hear it there, but there was a point during this game because Sam Darnold was mic'd up that he said, I'm seeing ghosts. Uh, meaning, of course, that he's got people coming at him from every direction. Take us through exactly what else that well, can be. Well, what it was, it was a great job of scheming by Bill Belichick and a great job of execution by this New England Patriots defense. They were showing him things and dropping out in the coverages. They were also blitzing and knowing where the line was sliding so they knew who could be in underneath coverage. This was an excellent job of game planning, and the New York Jets had no counter. 
Also, if you listen to the broadcast last night, there was times that he would go to the sideline and Adam Gase didn't give him anything schematically. He didn't give him anything from a strategical standpoint. He just said, believe in yourself. You know what to do. What Sam Darnold needed to know was where to go with the ball. What he needed to know was where to slide the protection. And he got none of those things. He continued to have to throw the ball and he threw the ball into coverage all night. And once you start feeling that pressure, you do see ghosts because sometimes there are white shirts coming at you that you just don't know where they're coming from. Well, and, and what was also frustrating, Coach, we talked about this, the lack of adjustment. I mean, the, the Jets just couldn't figure out anything against that Patriots yeah, I was, defense. I was surprised. You know, New England showed that they were going to go zero blitz every time that they had a spread formation, an empty backfield. And with, with, with zero, when I'm saying zero, I'm talking about no safety in the middle of the field, and there, there wasn't one back there because they're bringing more than they can block. And so here they, here they are coming with one of the zero blitzes right here. And so they have one they can't block. The corner actually had responsibility for the outside receiver there, but he was off and playing with vision. It was a great job by seeing that. So here, here's the quarterback. Now, when he sees nobody in the middle of the field like that, you have to know there's a good chance I'm going to be hot. And where do I have to go with the football? And you can't throw a lollipop up there for the DBs to then go feast on. I mean, that's what it was last night. I'm just throwing balls off my back foot. I'm not stepping into balls. I, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm just throwing it up like a, like a prayer. And, uh, and that's just not sound football right there. So what do you do? To me, you got to have a plan to protect. You at least have to make them add on after the tight end, after the back, some kind of max protection plan. You can't just sit there and spread formations and get bludgeoned like that. And this morning, Adam Gase, the head coach, of course, not happy with having his starting quarterback getting caught on camera. Um, and I, I think it's important to probably share how, how it works. So, Teams are basically asked by by the Monday Night Football crew, you know, who they can have right. mic'd up. They obviously are going to request Sam Darnold. And the Jets put trust that, that the right calls are going to be made. And NFL Films is actually in charge of what actually gets on the air. And what they do is they send a representative to sit in the truck during the game. And that person makes the decision that's on what good. hits the air. I'm glad and, they kept that because that's, that's real. That's real NFL football. I mean, that is. Look, Peyton Manning has seen these ghosts. Brady himself has seen these ghosts. That happens from time to time. I think that's interesting that you think that it's a good thing. I would think that you wouldn't like the fact that Sam Darnold got caught looking vulnerable. if well, I'm, well, if, if on, I'm on, Sam, well, yeah, that was pretty yeah, obvious. On, on our side, on our side, it's obviously good. Yeah, it's Adam Gase is uh, not going to like it. I think you got to realize what Coach is saying here. The other part of it is, though, that's real life. And what happens when you have these microphones on? Because I've been mic'd up in games, you just forget. Sure, you legitimately forget that exactly. the mic is on you because you're in the heat of the battle. You shouldn't be worried about whether or not you're going to say something that gets caught and shows you in a bad light. And the other part, that's real football. If you pressure Tom Brady, he looks like that if you pressure some of the best people in the league who aren't mobile and you can't make an adjustment they throw picks they fall down they take sacks that's what the game is but for Sam Darnold the problem is this before he came out he was doing an interview and they asked him something he needed to change and he said I probably need to stop turning the ball over. Uh-huh. And he said, because you know what he thought That's to himself? I'm still going to trick somebody, and they're going to pick me top three. And we forgot his first ever uh, game against the Detroit Lions. He throws one across the field. It's picked off for a pick six. Mm-hmm. And these things have continued to plague him. The Dallas Cowboys said, you know what, Sam Darnold? We're going to see if you're talented enough to beat us. Bill Belichick said, we're going to see if Definitely. you're smart enough to beat us. And like a bowl constrictor, they choked him out. 
Yeah, there's no question. I mean, that's exactly what happened. We will transition a little bit here, looking ahead to the future. Here's what Adam Schefter speculated about Tom Brady last night. This is from Monday Night Countdown. When we talk about Tom and his future, let's look at some simple things. Has he put his home for sale? Yeah, but... uh, Hold on, Steve. (laughs) Has he put his home for sale? Yes. Has his trainer put his home for sale? Yes. Has he set up his contract to void after the season to become a free agent? Yes. So if he's selling his home and his trainer's selling his home and he's voiding his contract, what does that tell you? Now listen, there are many times people set up things in their life to move on and they walk to the abyss and they look down and they say, whoa, I'm not jumping now. So he could change his mind. But I'm just telling you, if you look at it in his mind, it has to be clear. He's thinking about leaving New England. Listen, it's hard to imagine, obviously, because you'd think of Tom Brady synonymous with the New England Patriots, this dynasty that we've seen over the last 15 or so yeah. seasons. But it, it, it does happen. That is looking at the tea leaves, so to speak, and sort of saying this could be a possibility. Diana, he's not saying it will or won't happen, but what's your take? Yeah, uh, Jeff Tarlington reported this back in August when they, the Brady family put their house up for sale, and he gave some context to it, and I think we even discussed it here on the show, that basically Brady is just putting himself in a position and his family where nothing else will have influence on what he actually wants to do, not where his roots are. And, yeah, reading the tea leaves, this seems a little shady. It seems a little odd. We're all following along. But I remember when Jeff was discussing it, this is really to give Brady full control on making decision what's right for him him and not letting else not letting anything else affect it so uh, i think we're all kind of trying to do the growing, math here and, and, and growing up in the bay area i grew sure. up in joe montana and I kenny stabler mm-hmm. all right great players hall of fame players they didn't end their careers with those teams so you know it happens it's part of it's part of football i mean you know a lot of people you know how could it ever happen he's like been iconic and all that well it just does well it and brady happen. grew up in the, the bay area i actually thought that's why you were mentioning it but also has ties in la he's got a lot of ties on the west coast got mm-hmm. family there you never know you know but think, to adam's point it doesn't mean it will happen well the, the, the big thing for me is this if you listen to tom brady in his interview with randy moss yesterday he mentioned that his wife's when he asked her, should he keep playing, he sure. said, she says, you know my answer. And then last night, after he's done doing his interview, and he's, you can see he's feeling kind of down about what the offensive output has been and how they've been performing. At the end, he says, I just want to say hello to my mom and dad, and I love you, my kids, my wife, I love you. And I just thought that was strange because he seems like a player who – mostly would always talk about playing as long as he could and playing until he was 45, who's become very introspective as to the things that matter to him, the things that are important. This is a guy who said, football is my first love. And now we're starting to see uh, life creep into football a little bit more. And I believe it happens for us all. And I'm not saying he's going to retire. I'm not saying he's not going to be a Patriot. But I believe he is being faced with his football mortality. And for a lot of us, that's extremely hard. Sure, of course. And it is also inevitable for every single player, every single person. It's been a minute. Now we have 100 seasons. And the latest power rankings for this season are out. The Eagles dropped a spot to 15 Eagles are 3-4 and four after their Sunday night loss in Dallas. They've allowed 30 points in consecutive games. That's the first time under head coach Doug Peterson. In fact, that will set us up perfectly for a little panic or patience. But before we do that, here is what the head coach had to say yesterday. we got nine games left, and, and it's, it's 
it's a one game season and uh you know, by no means are we pushing any panic buttons. Uh, we're one game out of first place in our, our division. We win our division at the end of the year. You know, most likely you're in the postseason. All right, Miss Diana, we'll tee, we'll tee you up. Panic or patience here on whether the Eagles should be panicked or patient. Wendy, panic. Sound the alarms, the red loud ones right now. And it's not just because of what we've seen in terms of their production on offense and defense out on the field. It's what's going on behind the scenes, what's going on in the locker room. Players going up against each other through the media. Players saying that other players are being late to meetings, late to practice. This is a team that doesn't sound like they have a lot of accountability going on right now. And this doesn't seem like a situation that's also going to get any better until some leadership steps up. When you're fighting through the media, this is like the final step to things hitting rock bottom. I think a huge thing for this team is when your coach comes out and says you're going to go down to Dallas and win and you show up unprepared, undisciplined, and unmotivated, that's a locker room problem, that's a head coach problem, that's a delegation problem. And when you have those things, that doesn't lead to winning teams. And so when you come up flat in a very pivotal NFC East matchup, that shows me that this isn't the team that's on the same path that it was two years ago when they won the Super Bowl. No, you didn't hear any of that stuff. You know, you didn't Mm -hmm. hear team meetings and late to this and late to that. We'll see. Uh, We do have this from ESPN Bears reporter Jeff Dickerson, who had this to say, Bears wide receiver Taylor Gabriel tells us he expects the team to have a players-only meeting when asked when that might be. He said soon. Look, typically those meetings take place when things aren't going as well as you would like. Uh, typically those meetings typically, take place first before you tell people they're going to take place. I know, that too. Uh, listen, yeah. we've, we've talked a lot about yeah. Mitchell Trubisky. He, he's banged up, but even before that, not playing extremely well, Coach. Uh, do you have panic or patience with regard to the Bears quarterback situation? I've got panic. You do too. That's I, for you. A lot of patience. Nobody is in here, people. We all going crazy. I'm trying, I'm trying to be... <laughs> patient with it, but when you look at how he is not progressing, when you look at the fact that Coach Matt Nagy, he did a great job last year, I thought, managing this quarterback and his abilities and running the ball. And this year he's abandoned the run, and this quarterback can't carry him through the air, so it's going to continue to be a problem. I'm panicked right now, and they better start running the ball before they lose this season. Don't you find them confusing on offense? I don't know what they are. I feel like we had a better understanding of what they were trying to do last season. And this this year, I feel like every game, it's changing up. Finding their identity on yeah. offense, I think, is probably the first getting step. Getting back to what made them successful last year, some of the RPOs and those things. But just dropping back to pass with Mitchell is not going to be good. No, enough. it's like no, no, hitting no. your head against a wall. By the way, Coach Nagy said, I know we need to run the ball more. He's not I'm an not idiot. an idiot. He's not so an idiot. That's good. He's Nobody got, whispered to ask you that. Whole blaming no. the media. Has, yeah, well, this is what happens when the wheels come off. All right. Drew Brees <laughs> returns to practice <laughs> with the Saints this week. Uh, he intends to practice with the team. He's hoping ahead of their Week 8 clash with the Cardinals on Sunday. If you haven't if you haven't been following, the New Orleans Saints have not missed a beat with Teddy Bridgewater at the helm. This one kind of makes me laugh a little bit, but panic or patience on benching a red-hot Teddy Bridgewater. What a problem to have to go from a quarterback who's filling this in just fine oh, my to a Hall of Fame Do you see how calm I am? Yeah, well, you should be. Do you feel me? So we're patient. Because I'm so patient right now. Yeah, <laughs> which is a rare, rare thing. Can, can, can somebody cue up the whales swimming in the ocean no audio one, for me? Listen, this team, 
When you look at this team and what they've been able to do, why would you rush Drew Brees back? This is not a situation of overlooking the Arizona Cardinals. This is understanding that with Teddy Bridgewater, you've gotten better progressively as he's been the starting quarterback, and you are undefeated. You've won every game. The defense has stepped up. Special teams has made big plays. And so if you're Drew Brees and you're Sean Payton, the New Orleans Saints organization, you allow him to be as healthy as he possibly can because you get this week and then a bye week before you have a divisional opponent. Ryan Clark, the New Orleans Saints do not overlook any opponent. Drew Brees is one of the most competitive people on this planet. He is not trying to look at what's best in terms of going up against the best opponent. They're looking at every team that they're playing as being the best teams in the league, even though it is the Arizona Cardinals, who, by the way, are figuring themselves out at this point. And nobody's no, nobody's disputing that they aren't they aren't overlooking or they are overlooking any team. But if Drew Brees is truly focused on what the task could, should be and what the goal should be, that is a Super Bowl. And it's if him being completely healthy, if him being in a space to lead this team down the home stretches what's important, then he has to be smart. You need to sit ego aside and say, you know what, Teddy Bridgewater is doing what he needs to do exactly. to get I me back. Can't and who's leading right. this, who's I have this whole the thing? Luxury of time. Peyton, yeah, probably the coach of the year right now. Okay, mm-hmm. Sean is going to push the it right really button. He knows what he needs to do, and he'll make that decision. What do you think he's going to do? He can't let he can't let Drew force no. his way into action. Cannot. Take the week, take the extra week. Talk with the about week patience and come back. Take after some that. time, and you yeah. know what a privilege though. Really, we have seen so many teams. Well, let's take the Chiefs for example. Should Patrick Mahomes not be able to play for an extended period? They are an entirely different team. We're not right. talking about the Kansas City Chiefs the same way. This Saints team has been able to continue think, right where they left and off. I think what the, other part, the other part is, too, when you're a future Hall of Famer, that Drew Brees is. You start to feel that, right? It's been so long. So long that team hasn't been able to win a game without Drew Brees at the helm. And now they go 5-0. and You have to understand, this is a privilege you have now Uh where you get to save yourself and be ready at the most pivotal time of the season. And this is going to be a tough team to beat once Drew Brees is back. I would think they'll they'll be there at the end. Does this place look haunted? No, I don't think so. What about those two creepy girls? Come stay with us. That is truly frightening. You know what's really scary? Missing out on Geico's great service. With Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents. Uh, thank you, creepy girls. Want to see our room? Mm, we're gonna sleep in the car now. Happy Geico-ween. Switch today for 24-7 access to licensed agents. Well, certainly it is in the sense that we've turned the page. Jalen Ramsey is now a member of the L.A. Rams. He's moved on, Ryan. And uh, it's fair to say that this became personal. No, it absolutely. It was was a personal problem. It absolutely became personal. It wasn't necessarily about the things that were going on on the field. And it wasn't a deal with the coaches as well. It was about Tom Coughlin. And it was about Caldwell. And it was about some of those execs that I respect him for not naming. But we know who those people are. And it got to a, a level of disrespect that he felt like he couldn't handle anymore or that he felt he had worked his way up from being treated a certain way and they didn't see it that way as a man and so he asked to remove himself from the situation coach let me ask you this because you've been in a situation dealing with players some of whom were unhappy you know do you feel like this was handled appropriately from the Jacksonville perspective well it sounds like there was a level of disrespect conveyed to the player and to me you're going to get yourself in trouble if Mm -hmm. if that occurs now there. There are things that they want as an organization, and they need to make sure they're clear about that. But right. it sounds like they crossed the line in terms of their communication and being disrespectful. Coach, I have a question. 
if you're Doug Marone, and I'm listening to Jalen, he didn't have an issue with Doug Marone. He and Doug Marone moved on from that situation. Is there an opportunity a head coach can get to go to ownership or to go to GMs and executives and say, look, I want Jalen. He's I want him as a part of this team. We are good. Let's move on and try to win football games. He's such a talented young man. I'd be shocked if Doug Marone did not make that case right. to, to the general manager. Yeah, I mean, to me, you know Doug did. I would almost assume that. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know that for a fact, but I would assume that, especially right. with uh, Marone and Jalen not right. kind of putting that whole thing aside. Absolutely. And I think that we all understand on the sideline, heated, heated instances like that do occur. Yes, sir. That's not uncommon in the league. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's no secret in the league that Tom Coughlin has all the control in Jacksonville, and that's why it's worked so well with Doug Marone, because Doug is able to to allow that. He's not a head coach that wants to have his hands in every single pot the way Tom Coughlin does. So, mm-hmm. um, I do think that dynamic is interesting. I, another part of the interview that really stood out to me was uh, how he pointed to the fact that he had the hardest responsibility on the team yeah. every single week, and he obviously didn't feel like the team appreciated yep. that he was responsible for shutting down the top receiver uh, you know, every week as we saw him do. So, well, What did you see him do, Ryan, in terms of, of what he's capable of and what he's done quickly in L.A. on it, the field? It, one, it was an immediate difference it in was. the way that Wade Phillips called defenses. They played a lot of man this game, and they were a team that hadn't done that before acquiring Jalen Ramsey. You see here, he was matched up with Julio Jones every time he was on the field. This is the guy who hasn't played in the last few weeks, and he goes out and yes, he sir. guards the most talented <laughs> wide receiver in the league. And then when you get a guy, you trade two first-rounders for him, and he sticks his face in the fan on, in the run game, and he's a corner, creates a turnover. That adds instant in energy. I text with Eric Weddle asked after the game, and I was like, hey, man, that's a big win. His first text back to me, it's amazing that one player can change a team mm-hmm. as much yeah. as he changed us. A guy who missed three weeks of play. Too. Yeah. I think that's the key to to be able to step right in with a new team and not playing for three weeks? Well, we hope the change of scenery is just what the doctor ordered. No, Actually, no kidding, no pun intended, but look at there. All right. I just saw you do TV, Wendy. I know, right? Yeah. I just saw you do TV. <laughs> it happens sometimes. Panthers quarterback Cam Newton worked out with trainers today in front of the media for the first time since he re-aggravated his foot sprain in week two. David Newton, our reporter, noted that Cam was moving pretty well as he went through the pre-practice routine before going to work on the side with trainers. Ron Rivera said yesterday Kyle Allen will start this week against the 49ers. Meanwhile, it may not be the ideal time from the Redskins' perspective, but Week 8 takes Washington to Minnesota where the Raiders will face their former quarterback. uh, Redskins, I should say, will face their former quarterback, Kirk Cousins. The first time Cousins will face his former team since he departed in favor of boatloads of cash from the Minnesota Vikings. Here's head coach Mike Zimmer. Uh, We'll see more tomorrow. You know, he's improving fast, so uh, he's got a chance. He needs to just focus on his job, focus on uh, getting the guys in the right place and doing what he's supposed to do. And, you know, there's always some emotions when you're playing a team that you went against. I'm sure Adrian and Case are doing the same thing, right? But, um, you know, it's more important that we focus on what we have to do and his job and what he has to do than worry about all the other things that go along with it. Courtney Cronin covers the Vikings and joins us now from Minnesota. Courtney, obviously, Kirk Cousins is going to be asked about this. He'll have to talk about facing the Redskins. What do you have to say? 
Wendy Kirk knew these questions were coming, and instead of focusing on why things didn't work out with his former team, the quarterback kept referring to the gratitude he has for this organization, saying, quote, they picked me when nobody else did, and they stuck by me referenced the 2-4 and four start that he had in 2015 when many were questioning whether he was the answer for Washington at quarterback. Then he brought up the infamous game against Tampa Bay where he led them to the largest comeback in franchise history, down 24 points. He yelled, you like that? And it's been history ever since. And the challenging thing Cousins mentions about going against his former team is just the respect that he has for the people on the other sideline. And he's done this before, this season even, going against John Gruden when the Vikings played the Raiders in week three. He's gone against Sean McVay, who he spent many of his formative years as a starter in the NFL with uh, last year when the Vikings played the Rams. But he might have to do it this week down a key piece. Adam Thielen did sustain the hamstring injury against the Lions on Sunday. And while he told us that he does feel great right now and he's hopeful that he will be able to play, he's never had an injury like this before. So on a short week, it does become kind of challenging to know just how much he can push it so it won't affect him beyond week eight, possibly for the second half of the season, but he's been going through all the treatment, kind of expediting his process, saying, quote, I'm sure they're getting sick of me in the training room. He's been lobbying to play, and we'll see if he's able to do that on Thursday. Courtney, thank you. It's so interesting to me, really, what we've seen from Kirk Cousins this season. It's like a tale of two seasons. I mean, it's a really been uh, a stark difference after sort of Adam Thielen called him out and there was some, some trouble getting the ball down the field. Uh, I know, Coach, you have a different opinion, but I'm going to start with you, Ryan. What have you seen uh, well, over the last few weeks? I've just seen willingness. Right, I've seen willingness to throw the ball into tight coverages, to push the ball down the field. And there's a lot of times that you can say the offensive coordinator calls certain plays, but they're giving Kirk Cousins the opportunities and he's taking them and they are working out for a successful outcome for the Minnesota Vikings. And so when you look at what Stephon Diggs has been the last three weeks, the way he was using Adam, Adam Thielen before the injury, this offense has been explosive. It hasn't just been about Dalvin Cook and the defense. Kirk Cousins has been the quarterback that they wanted him to be when they guaranteed him $84 million. And if he continues to play like this, the Vikings now factor in to the NFC conversation as a champion. Coach. Absolutely. You've got, you've got to have good quarterback play. And the thing I'm seeing is he's starting to play with a little courage. I mean, when I watched yeah. him earlier in the year, honestly, <laughs> he, 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 was, he was so tentative. It was like he was timid and tentative. And you can't lead the team and, and, and stand in there and throw the ball like you need to with somebody bearing down on you. He's got to be able to do those things. And I'm starting to see that now. And so what we want to do is not compliment him. We want to make sure we <laughs> yeah. keep, keep the pedal down on him. Wendy, I was on the show with you two weeks ago, and I said that I thought the Vikings were Done, that they, they they were going to have a very difficult road ahead because I didn't really see the not courage. Not with that defense and Mike Zimmer, though. <laughs> no, no, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yes, I, that I agree with. But in terms of the offense, and obviously with the drama going on with Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen at the time, mm-hmm. and, and knowing that we never really know what Kirk is. It's always up and down. You're not sure every time you, you, you're invested in him and you're all in. He goes out and, and, and especially in like a primetime game, just lays an egg. So to see Kirk out here, I mean... It's just fun to see him have the courage out there and play the way I know this is how he wants to be. I think the the huge thing is this. 
He struggled in the fourth quarter. He struggled when games have gotten close, and he needs to make clutch throws. So you know what he's doing? He said, I'm going to put it out of reach early. He is pushing the ball. <laughs> yeah. That's a good thing. He said, you know what? I'm going to push this ball down the field, and we're not going to have to ha- make a decision on whether or not I can make a play in the last two minutes because the game won't be close. Well, to Coach's point, that public chastising seemed to serve him well. He right. certainly responded, so let's He'll keep it As a former the Viking, I want to keep yeah. it going. Yeah, don't, um, you know, no praise here. No yeah. But, but I will say this, uh, here's a little bit, because he has certainly been delivering uh, in Minnesota's three-game win streak. He's thrown ten touchdowns, the most over a three-game span, by a Vikings quarterback since Dante Culpepper back in 2004. And with a win on Thursday, Cousins would match the longest winning streak of his career. For Ryan Clark to build our perfect DB, and by that we mean the brains of one, the legs of another. The legs will not be from Peyton Manning, by the way, they I don't think. They're I'm still pretty saying sure no they are si- they're still saying no Maha, but we'll go through this. Uh, you two can agree or disagree. Well, right. listen, me and Coach kind of talked through during the break, and Jalen Ramsey could be a lot of these, but we're going right. to go with some different Share people. The well. Now, right here, for feet, I'm going to go Tredavious White. This is a guy I know a lot about. Why? Because he went to LSU. LSU. You're going to see a lot of that here. And getting to see him up close, yeah. he has some of the cleanest, quickest feet I've seen from a defensive back in this league, and you're starting to see some of those things. Even the big pick in the red zone of Ryan Fitzpatrick against the Miami Dolphins. Let me ask you this before you go on. Intestinal fortitude, you mean like, you know, guts? like? Well, you know what? Intestinal fortitude was the word I used for TV. But you know what it is? It's a little arrogance. It's a little cockiness. It's a little bit of guts that says, you know what? It says when I stand in front of you, no matter who you are, if you're Julio Jones, who Larry Fitzgerald told Kyler Murray, it's the best I've ever seen. He's so explosive. After a three-week hiatus, Jalen Ramsey stood in front of Julio Jones and said it's going to be me and you, bro. Mano y mano. And that's something you can't teach. And I know Coach knows a little bit about that as well. Absolutely. And he brought it all day. I mean, from, from start to finish. The competitive fire, to me, that's what you see. Not only is he big and talented athletically, but he's got that intestinal fortitude. We don't want to digress. Is why you wonder Jacksonville maybe didn't try, try to find some kind of middle ground there with you know with the good comes to bad. So I think they tried. Anyway, just, they tried. It just, wasn't hey, to be. Hey, All right, they kind of had to back out of it. You know what I mean? Yep. And so here we go with okay. hands. This is a guy I think people have forgotten about, uh-huh. and it's Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson was a dude while he was at LSU again. Oh, here we go. That they wanted to play off. He has great hands. He's a guy who's turned the ball over in a major way since he's been in the league. His ball awareness and ball skills to me are elite. And even if you can cover a guy, the reason people were scared of Dion because he could turn defense into offense and Patrick Peterson could do the same. And he gave the Cardinals a big lift last week. Absolutely, Coach. Absolutely. His return from suspension. Another thing you can't touch. I'm sorry, you can't touch it either, really, but you can't coach it. Is that that what's going on in the brain? And for me, that's Eric Weddle. Eric Weddle is maybe my favorite DB playing in the league right now. He's a guy that's played for three different teams and every team he's been on, he's been the captain of that team, he's been a coach on the field, and he's also extremely athletic. Talking to Jalen Ramsey, I asked him why was he excited to be around. The first thing out of his mouth was, I believe that Eric Weddle can help me take my game to a new level mentally. And then he said, I also get to play with the best player in the world, Aaron Donald. So when those are the two things that you bring up about a player, that lets you know how important he is and how great of a skill it is to be able to coach, think, and communicate. Eric Weddle has that, yeah, Coach. The brain, you're, you're right about that. Quarterbacks around the league can't stand him because of his ability to disguise and help others disguise properly. Absolutely. And now, right. uh, Motoring through. He got a lot of parts. This is what we know. 
We know you need to be fast. Yes. And I picked Dante Jackson, not because he went to LSU. Another which LSU. And he's yeah. not done. He's but, not allowed to do but this. But because this was a guy who was a 10-flat, 100-meter guy. This is a guy who was 4-3-2 at the combine. Also ran in the fastest man this year and was the fastest defensive player in the league. And when you have those type of attributes, you can get beat on double moves, and then you have the catch-up speed. You can get underneath the goal routes and understand that you can get there to play the pocket, and this guy is as fast as they come. All right, clarify here, too, balance. I mean, I know what the word means, but in terms of a DB. So anybody who's ever watched Darrell Revis play, he was always balanced, right? He was a guy who can have patience because he believed in his technique. He believed in his skill. He understood that when in press, I need to be lateral. I can move and get my hands on. And I think nobody is doing that in the league like Stephon Gilmore is right now. If you watch him, he can play multiple techniques because he's never he's never off kilter. You never see him where his knees, and where his chest and his shoulders aren't over his knees and his toes when he's in a not in a great football position. Common thread, Bill Belichick. <laughs> well, uh, Both those actually, guys have been taught by the best. That's actually yeah, from a fun, fundamental very, perspective. Very, very good point. <laughs> 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 hey, Stephon wasn't like, doing hey, that in Buffalo. Hey, when you said it, I went, yeah, that's, that's a <laughs> no, good point. No, tra- he was too busy focused on LSU to catch the right. Bill Belichick. I actually was. And no, <laughs> I know. For, and for strength, I'm going to go Marshawn Lattimore. Here's why. If you watch the way he plays football, a lot of times they will roll a safety on top of him and allow him to press, allow him to play man under. And he's the type of physical defensive back that makes it very hard to get off of the, the, the line of scrimmage. And if you watch him against Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, a lot of times those are guys who use physicality to get open. They don't push Marshawn Lattimore around. They can't move him with their bodies. Yeah, and the Ohio State. I just wanted to add that. Yeah, and his, and his uh, buddy just got <laughs> traded to the Texans, by the way. Gary Conley. Hey, guys. I mean, somebody else got to have at least one good DB. Well, right? one. One. You got right, but, because, but guess what? Because it's what? not in two. Guess what? I know Wendy where the honey went back to Baton Rouge. Guess what? Wendy Nix. I know it's Tyron Matthew. This is a guy. He's five foot nine. Maybe now he's a hundred. Maybe now he's 185 pounds. But he's an absolute ball hawk. He's a guy who he creates fumbles, interceptions. He puts himself in positions to make plays. There was a reason that when it came down to picking five finalists for the Heisman Trophy in his sophomore year of college, that he was one of those five guys. He's always where he needs to be. He makes the plays that are needed to be made, and he makes other people around him better. He play dime, nickel, free safety, strong safety, even corner, and he's done all of those things in the NFL. I was happy to see him land in Kansas City. Thought that seemed like a very good spot for his talent. Took his talents to Arrowhead. I mean, Baton Rouge is I a like better your list, spot. Well, I, like all your, I like all your guys. Good guys. My- so the NBA season tips off tonight. Nobody likes to feel left out. That includes us. So we thought we'd get it. We'd do a little game of our own, if you will. Uh, we love horse. I love playing horse. Right. right? But we don't have that much time. So we're going to play pig. Like Which makes pig, it easier for me to win. Skin. So it's cool. Yeah, it makes it easier for you to win. <laughs> Anyway, here's how it's going to work. I'm going to ask a question. Okay. Diana's going to be the judge and, and take a few extra shots for us. Okay. Uh, she's I'll step in. You know, when she'll step in injured. when necessary. Uh, I'll ask a trivia question, football-related. The first of you to answer can call the shot. Okay. okay that's how it's going to work. All right. Uh, they're, like I said, they're, they relate to our game, the NFL. I'll start with this. These two quarterbacks lead the league with 15 passing touchdowns. You can name 15. either passing? one. 
Patrick Mahomes or uh, yep, yep, good enough. Patrick Mahomes? Mahomes? That's it. All right, no. Russell, yep, Russell Wilson. Yep, that's the other, but you got nice. Patrick Mahomes. See, he, hey, he said it first. So, see, right now, be quick. Right. so here we go. You said, I got the first I, one, you, Coach. You yeah. got to take a shot from the top of the stairs. Yeah, you got to make the shot, go. Coach. You, you make get a letter. Shot. Here we go. Come so on, if he misses, Jack. I get a P? No problem. If he no, misses, if I he get a P, right? He gets a P. Okay, here we go. You don't want a P. There ain't going to be any missing. Yeah. Okay, here we go, Coach. Oh, oh, that's a B for you. Okay, here we go, Already. Coach. Only two Already. quarterbacks okay. have thrown double-digit interceptions this season. Name one. Ooh, that's tough. Two quarterbacks, double-digit interceptions. One of them um, does a lot of commercials. Oh, 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 I think he got it from that one side. Okay, oh, name the show. I thought in Baker's <laughs> right here, Coach. Right here, Coach. All right, Davis wins to the other you two. There you go, Coach. Okay, yeah, give him a layup there. There you go, Coach. What we got? What we got? Here we go. Here we go. Let's go. Oh, okay, so that wait, gives him right. a pee. I got Two pee. players are tied. Oh, you got a pee. I got, I got a tie. Okay. okay. Two players are tied for the lead league in sacks. Name either one. Shaq Barrett. Yes. Oh, oh wow. Oh, oh, oh. Hey, Curly. Oh, 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 Name the shot. We're going from the side over here, Coach. Jackson, right here. here we go. You got to go quick, Coach. This is for the eye. Quick shoot, Coach. You got to go over here. Are you tired yet? Over here, Coach. doing this Over here. Right there. You good. I want you to shoot it over this, though. What you got? Oh, okay, then. Mmm. Mm. I'll be the backboard here. Let's see what yeah, we got. Diana. I gotta keep my foot right Helping. there. Yeah, the foot gotta stay there, coach. You can lean. If you can I fade was away. This you can go sideways. Oh! 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 I like it, coach. Have at least 600 receiving yards this season. I just Godwin need from one. Tampa Bay. What? Tampa Bay Godwin? Yeah, uh, is he one? Yes, he is, but you gotta say his whole name. Uh, I don't know his first name. You gotta say his name. I don't know his first name. Right, right, next question. Next okay, question. Okay, here we go. All right. Okay, here we go. Which team allows the fewest passing yards per game? New England. Nope. Ooh. I think so. I guess. San Francisco. I, um, yes. Okay. Mm, mm. Sorry, I thought New England too, Coach. Bam, okay, let's bam, go. Bam, Name bam. a shot. That hey, coach, guy, you taking about, it? This thing is about duos in the NBA, right? We got AD, LeBron. I'm we got Kawhi. Okay. Right? I want to see if she can make a shot, Coach. All right, let's go. All right, but this is for the G. This, no. is, this is for you. going to knock him out. For the G. When she makes it. What is so, that? Do you have PI? Right, I need a bar. I need a props. Okay, here we go. He's here. All right. You have to shoot over him. So I want you here. This side. It's on the Right here. There we go. I'm out of here. Here's the win. Here's the win. All right, for the winner. I'll go to PI. Here's the win. Right okay, here. Yeah, no. You can't. Oh, oh, it's over. <laughs> it's over. Four years in a row. This is what happens. P.I.P. No, this is it's P.I.P. You do not know how to Coach play. Coach made two? Yes, he did. Yes. Yes. Here we go. That's a hard shot. All right, okay. here we go. I mean, you know what? I'm skipping to one about me. Let's See, make it about me. It's all about me. We're going to get our ball. Because it does say this on here. For all the marbles, okay. all right, just which sport did I play in college? Golf. Yes. Yes. I just joined golf. All right, this is sorry. Ryan, it was on winning right. That's got to be Ryan. Who, you, oh, you Give me that same shot you came up with over there. The side shot? Yeah, oh, we're the same one, tough, baby. That's tough. All right, she's also yeah. homecoming Whoa. queen top twice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, you Ryan, can lean, you you can lean all you want. Coach, lean that thing. Oh! Yeah. I tried to go yeah. over the top. All right, Ryan with the G. <laughs> Coach has a game. I got yeah, to give it to him. Hey. He's got some swag. Multi-sport athlete, Jack Del Rio. Uh-huh. <laughs> As they say is all she wrote. Uh, listen, we do have some breaking news, courtesy of Adam Schefter, which is so often the case. Again, making our way to the trade deadline, which we know is Tuesday, 4 o'clock Eastern. That's one week from today. Uh, however, in this particular instance, Denver is dealing Emmanuel Sanders and a 2020 fifth-round pick 
to San Francisco. Of course, the 49ers undefeated right now in exchange for 2020 third and fourth round picks. This is according to league sources. We saw Mohamed Sanu go to New England. We knew they were looking for help there. Uh, that was yesterday, and now Sanders. And, you know, we talked about this, Coach, that we might see a lot of activity this week rather than right at that deadline next sure. Tuesday. And, and here we go. Yeah, I think that's good for both sides. Okay, tell I mean, me why. Well, Emmanuel Sanders is a good player, and he's come back from his Achilles injury real, real well, done real well with it. And, you know, Denver's not going to go anywhere this year, so they may as well acquire some picks. No, they're not. And, and you, you think the way San Francisco is playing right now, they very well might. So they might. They, last, they might. Last I checked, they hadn't lost a game. Last I checked, they're still undefeated. Yeah, yeah that's right. All right, now, with that said, it is time for a little segment we call Jack in the Box score, uh-huh. or in this case, linebacker in the box score. Uh, Jack takes us through some of the numbers and what exactly they mean, because sometimes they don't tell you the whole story. Let's start with the Patriots. They've allowed only 48 points, the second fewest through seven games in the Super Bowl era. That defense has played lights out. Historical. Suffocating man coverage and then pressure designed to, to attack protections. And they're doing it. I mean, Bill Belichick's on top of this game right now. He's, he's like a mad scientist. He's just having fun. He's got a talented group, and they're playing technique sound, coming up with turnovers, forcing nightmares for quarterbacks, quarterbacks seeing ghosts. Uh, he's just doing a heck of a job. 48 points on, on track for a historic defensive effort. Well, it is historic. And funny you say ghosts, because we know, of course, that Sam Darnold saw a few on Monday night. It makes a lot of sense. Our week eight Monday night matchup has the Dolphins in Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. This is at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and the app. We'll start our coverage, though, with Monday night countdown at 6. New on NFL Live, Jets running back Le'Veon Bell expressing his feelings about his quarterback being mic'd up, saying this via Twitter. The NFL screwed Sammy over. Sam Darnold, of course. There's not one player in the NFL who's cool with having every sideline conversation broadcasted to millions. There's a reason we've never heard other quarterbacks frustrated on the sidelines like that before. That's crazy. NFL did Sam dirty as hell. Here is the opinion of the head coach, Adam Gase. Yeah, I think we're going to we'll, we'll be looking into that pretty hard. That, that was one of those things that was really disappointed to, to hear about after the game. I don't know if I've ever seen that where, you know, somebody that was mic'd up was, was basically, you know, a comment like that was allowed to be aired. Um, it bothers me. It bothers the organization. I mean, obviously, we're going to be looking hard in, into you know our cooperation going forward. Look, uh, Diana explained there's a process in place. NFL Films has somebody watching, but in this case, uh, it, it made good TV. I, I understand their frustration, but you know what? You got a mic on. I'm afraid this is bound to happen. I mean, you can't make something up. He said it. Uh, yeah, they get a choice. It was real, and it fit it. the moment. I mean, it was real. It did. It's also I mean, masking the horrible performance they had out there because we're talking about that. And not we're not really about more than top night all the way around.